Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. My bad, that was on me. Um, and I have a new mic. My wife said I'm Britney Spearing it. Britney Spearsing it today. So maybe I'll do a dance and a song later. I don't know. Um, <laughs> if we haven't met yet, my name's Dan. <laughs> I'm one of the lead pastors here. And uh, it's great to be with you guys. Before I get into my message, I want to make sure you know two things. One, you are invited to the picnic today. Whether you signed up or not, doesn't matter. Um, we'd love to have you. We've got plenty of extra food. So hang out with us for the picnic. And uh, also get involved in a life group. Sign up for one of those. And uh, they're just, they're life-giving. They're soul-feeding. They're, they're so good for you. So I really encourage you to do um, both of those things. So this week, with the picnic, with life groups, like you're going to get to know a few more people than you would have before. So we're going to start it here. So I want to know, what, uh, did anybody play a high school sport? A high school sport? Raise your hand. Any high school sport players tonight? You shout them out. Go ahead. Football, swimming, track. Oh, that's great. All right, what about uh, band people, choir people, band and people, choir? Oh, yeah, one enthusiastic person. Yes, me. What about uh, anybody later in life start a new hobby that you're just like so far in, like you just started a new hobby and you just love it? Any hobbyists out there? One, okay, we got one. And what about, um, did you ever study like one subject so hard, like so thoroughly that an institution of learning gave you a doctorate degree? Anybody have a doctorate degree in here? Yes, 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 two. Awesome, that's so cool. Ask those people what their doctorate's in. Or maybe not, maybe they might nerd out on you on something. Just kidding, you should definitely ask them. I want us to consider what, what it takes, not to get a doctorate necessarily, but what it takes to go from a novice, a novice at something to just proficient. Like novice to proficient. So if we think about it like this, like what did it take for that little four-year-old playing soccer, you know, amoeba soccer, where they all like form an amoeba and go after the ball all together and there's no rhyme or reason to it. They're just following the ball. What did it take for them to go from amoeba soccer to a high school starter? Like, what did that take? And if we think about that, it's, you guys know the answer to that. It's like practice, coaching, effort, failure, learning from that failure, listening to your coach, listening to advice on how to improve. And eventually you get to that place of being a starter in high school or even better. You, maybe you played more later. But there's something more. Like there's something more at, at that. It's, there's something more core to becoming proficient at something that without it, none of what I just mentioned would happen. And this idea that's more important than all the others, that feeds the others, is our internal reason for doing something. It's the internal reason that drives us to do the hard stuff. It's the internal reason that causes us to get up early before school starts and lift weights or go to practice. It's the internal reason that that inspires us to open up some pretty thick, boring, bland books for the pursuit of knowledge. It's the internal reason that motivates us to practice and practice and practice a, a, a musical piece. 
And then when we fail and we fail and we fail and we hit that wrong note so many times, we keep going because we have a hope within us that eventually we can get it right and we can make this beautiful piece of music. At the end, it's the internal reason that produces our desired results. Now, if you're here today, you probably fall into one of two categories. Uh, One, you would call yourself a Jesus follower, someone who wants to live like Jesus. You're here because you're pursuing Jesus and everything that Jesus has for your life. And the other one is you're here today because you're pursuing Jesus in a different way. Like you're not fully bought in. You have questions. Maybe you have wonderings about who Jesus is, about Christianity. Which, by the way, is 100% welcome here in our church and 100% welcome, like Jesus welcomes these questions as well. And so, no matter what camp you're in, you're someone who's pursuing Jesus. And I want you to think about the question today of what's your internal reason for pursuing Jesus today? What's our internal reason? There's a scripture that we're going to look at today that encourages us to give a reason for our hope of Jesus. This is found in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, this verse is written to Christians, to people who've already found full hope in Jesus, who are pursuing him. But if you're a person who's questioning or wondering about the things of Jesus today, I want to encourage you to to pursue this question. I think it'd be really beneficial for you to answer this question as well. What's the reason for my hope? So just for a second, I want to talk to those of you who might be wondering in that questioning season. And I imagine you're probably hoping, if you're here, that Jesus is who he says he is. You're hoping that he can heal. You're hoping that he can restore. You're hoping that Jesus forgives. You're hoping that Jesus can renew lives. And I don't mean to put words in your mouth uh, or put you in a box, but, you know, I've been there. I've, I've been in that season of wondering and hoping and questioning. And so I think it'd be really beneficial for you to consider the question, what's the reason for my current pursuit of Jesus? What's the reason for my hope? And if you would be so bold, you can even turn that into a prayer directly to Jesus. Like, Jesus, why am I pursuing you? What's the hope of my heart right now? Would you show yourself to me? And I hope that you find the rest of this message beneficial in answering some of those questions. Now, this verse is written to Christians. And so today we're going to look at it in the context of what it means for us who are pursuing Jesus wholeheartedly. This reason, or this verse, about giving a reason for our hope, it's most often associated with evangelism. Now evangelism can be this big, scary church word. Um, Is anyone here bold enough to admit with me that maybe evangelism is a bit of a scary thing? Would you be bold enough to raise your hand? Yeah, I see some hands. That's that's great. I'll be the first to raise my hand. And when I... When I think of evangelism, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, I just kind of like back away from it a little bit, you know, Um, like that. When anyone's like, let's evangelize, I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to do that. 
when I find myself feeling that way about evangelism, it, it helps me to come back to this verse in 1 Peter, giving a reason for our hope. Because all he's saying to do is when someone asks us to give a reason for our hope, that we just let them know our internal reason. So evangelism is really just encouraging others with the reason for our hope. Now, before we get into sharing our story of hope and evangelism, we first have to understand God's story of hope because God's story is what sources our story. Uh, This hope is the scripture-wide story of God's perfect kingdom coming to us. In his full, perfect kingdom, the Bible tells us that tears are wiped away, death is no longer a thing, there's no more brokenness of any kind. And Jesus inaugurated his kingdom when he first came, although not yet in full. While we can experience the peace of his future kingdom today, it's just, it's only a taste today of what God will complete when he comes again. And it's those tastes of the kingdom, God's story, that make up our story. The thoughts that, the things that make up God's story, like forgiveness for us, uh, adoption into his family, his desire to be with us, sacrificial living on his part, his compassion for us, his, um, his patience toward us. These are all the things that source our story. They fuel our hope in the kingdom. And so this hope that we're encouraged to have in, in 1 Peter, it's not, like, uh, it's not like, oh man, I hope the Bears win, right? Like, oh, if they don't win today, they're going to be 0-2, and, and then their season's going to be over, and then my life's going to be over because I have nothing to watch on Sundays anymore. It's not that kind of hope. It's more like this hope that we have as children for Christmas Day. It's like, it's like that deep longing and desire for it to come. It's not wondering if it's going to come. It's just having this deep longing and desire for Christmas to come. And that's how we should think about God's kingdom and live in his kingdom is have this deep desire rooted in his kingdom. And it's in this river of heavenly hope that we Christians continually establish roots in that, that sustain our earthly lives. In the book, Good and Beautiful Community, I've got it right here. This is what the series is based off of. We're kind of going uh, a few chapters at a time through this book. So if you want to get this and, and read through it with us, you're more than welcome to. You can find it on Amazon, The Good and Beautiful Community. Um, the author, James Brian Smith, writes this. The church community of Jesus finds its origins in the future. And that future is bright. Certain and unshakable because of Jesus and his finished work. Hope is the bridge from the future into the present. And the branches of that hope are faith and love. Roots in the future, roots in the resurrection, roots in the eternal victory of Jesus, roots in the firmly planted eternal life. Roots that nourish the trunk and branches and ultimately produce fruit that draws others in to the story. This is where evangelism comes in. That when our roots are planted in this future but present hope, we produce fruit that draws others in to God's story. 
And when your story is rooted in God's story, you're going to produce fruit that draws people in, and then they're going to ask, in so many words, what is the reason for your hope? And so because of that, I have some news for those of us that kind of back away when we hear the word evangelism. It's that evangelism is for everyone because the kingdom of God is for everyone. And if you have your roots in the certain hope of the kingdom, then sharing and demonstrating the kingdom hope that you have is going to happen wherever you go because that's where your roots are. <clears throat> sharing our hope is done in two ways. It's done by word, like what First Peter talks about in uh, 3.15. Be ready to give a reason for your hope with gentleness and respect. That's by word. And also, through the way just that we live in our world. Now, actually, that's what First Peter 3, if you read all of First Peter 3, that's mostly what the writer's talking about there, about how we live, how we demonstrate the kingdom of God. I won't read it all, but I'll give you a quick recap. He starts out with spouses, love each other, and love each other in such a way where the other person knows God through you. The other person uh, has God revealed to them because of how you treat them. He says to everyone, love each other, sympathize with each other. When evil is done to you, here's what he says, when evil is done to you, retaliate. Not with evil, but with kindness. With a blessing, he actually says. When evil's done to you, retaliate with a blessing. Be people that search for peace. I love that image. Like we are looking for peace, even making peace. We're searching for that peace. And after all this, this is where 315 comes in. After all this, when someone, uh, when someone asks you for the reason that you live so uniquely, so differently from the rest of the world, be ready to give them a reason for your hope. So we've got two ways in which we evangelize. The first, by the way, we live our lives rooted in God's kingdom. And when that produces fruit, that draws people in. And they want to see uh, what we're about. And it opens us to conversation about the curiosity of our lives. And it leads to the second means of evangelism, which is a conversation, encouraging them with the reason for our hope. One of my great passions in life, and you are free to make fun of me about this as much as you want because I'm so secure in it. You can't, you can't shake my foundation. This is how much I love this thing. I love Frisbee golf. Oh, man, I, I love, yeah, I got a woo for Frisbee golf. That's a first ever. So I'm so, oh, there's a couple of cool guys playing Frisbee golf. Wow, they're so neat. Um, that's from a tournament a couple weeks ago. I just love it. I love Frisbee golf so much. If you were to make the mistake of asking me like, hey, uh, what's the reason for your passion of Frisbee golf? You would receive a deluge of passionate information that you never wanted. You never signed up for it. You're going to hear about the, the different discs and how they fly so beautifully. You're going to hear about the different friendships I've made along the way. You'll hear about the excitement that's found when that disc flies through the woods and misses every tree and lands right in the basket just like I do every single time I throw it. What I'm going to be doing is just telling you my disc golf stories, my passion for it, how it's impacted my life and how it brings me joy and the crazy things that have happened to me over the years from my disc golf journeys. And I think that's what, that's what 
uh, Peter's getting at here. That we're just giving a reason for our hope, sharing our stories. It's encouraging us to share our stories or our reasons for the hope that is in Jesus. And so I think it takes away from like, it's it's no longer like, oh no, I don't want to evangelize, and it's just sharing stories with people about something that we love, something that's happened to us. Like, what impact has Jesus made on your life? What personal stories do we have to share about him? How has he given us joy or peace or forgiveness? How have you felt that in your life? How have you experienced his kindness and his goodness and his love in your life? When you consider those things, you have a reason for your hope. You don't have to give a whole theology about the kingdom. You don't have to come up with a whole explanation and presentation for Christus Victor or substitutionary atonement for them. You just have to share your stories of how Jesus has impacted your life. In the same way that, like, you pull up a picture on your phone about your kids, you know, and you're just showing, hey, here's all my kids, you know. In the same way that we do that, we, we can talk about Jesus in the same way. You might say, yeah, I, I'm so encouraged by this thing I go to called a small group where people, like, care about me there. They pray for me every week. It's amazing. I love it. I experience God that way. Uh, you can tell them about the time where... Uh, you had this need and you didn't know how it was going to happen and then God provided for you. You can tell them about the time where you were going through a horrible time in life and God gave you a a strange peace about it. Giving a reason for your hope is often just sharing your story. And it's by sharing your story that you're sharing God's story. Not just God's story in your own life, but also becomes then God's story for them as well. They want to grab on to that hope as well. Another thought that the scripture gives us when we share is that we share our faith with gentleness and respect. I like this, that it's in there because it shows me that like people were not sharing their faith with gentleness and respect when this was first written and it's still happening today and we need it. Sometimes we can get awfully judgy about it. And it's doing it with gentleness and respect that matters, which if we have our roots in the kingdom, we should already have fruit in our lives like peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And sharing the reason for our hope with gentleness and respect just comes naturally out of that when our roots are in the kingdom. Now, even if you are the most fired up, evangelistic, by word kind of person, like you're knocking on doors every week. Hi, do you know that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? Did anybody do that growing up? I, I used to do that a lot. Um, even if you're one of those people that just like loves evangelism and loves telling people about Jesus, 99% of your life, you're going to evangelize by the way that you live. Maybe you've heard the phrase, you are the only Bible that some people will read. And it's this idea that conveys that people will know Jesus by the way that you live. And while that may seem like a lot of pressure, like, oh no, these people will never read the Bible and I'm the only thing that's going to happen, it's really uh, just a creative image to show us how living life in God's kingdom matters. And actually, even when we do mess up, and we all do, 
Uh, People can see the kingdom in us by the way that we correct that. Uh, By the way that we are quick to apologize, like the Bible tells us to, and have humility to admit our failures and wrongdoings, like the Bible tells us to. And so even in our failures to live in the kingdom, we can show people what living in the kingdom is like. But besides that, when we're doing it right, the Bible calls us a pleasing aroma for the world by the way that we live. This is 1 Corinthians 2.15. It says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So I used to lead wilderness trips back in the day. Wilderness trips being like, you put a backpack on, you put everything that you need in the backpack, and then you walk into the woods or you canoe into the woods, and then you live out there for like seven days or two weeks, and then you come back uh, smelling like horrible things. Um, So I used to do that. We used to lead trips uh, for people and teach people how to lead trips. And um, I absolutely loved it. It was super fun. Great views, you know, great challenges. And uh, the one thing that almost ruined it all, just horrible, hated it, was mosquitoes. Have you guys seen like those videos of like a bear in the wilderness and they're just like covered in flies and mosquitoes, just like a cloud. That's what it was. It was just like a cloud of mosquitoes around us. You spray the bug spray on and maybe they don't land on you for a couple minutes, uh, but they're still just hovering around you. It, it, was, ugh, it was gross. I still get the shiver. So I had a coworker um, during this time that wanted to come up with a solution for it. This coworker, I don't want to reveal her identity, but we'll just call her Pastor Liz, um, she wanted to come up with a solution for this to figure out how we can get rid of the mosquitoes from just like being even near us. And so her and her friend Mary Elise, they decided that they would search the internet because it's full of good ideas. And the internet says that you should eat cloves on cloves on cloves on cloves of garlic. Just like eat garlic all the time and the mosquitoes will magically dissipate and they'll never be near you. And so you know what she did? She ate cloves and cloves and cloves of garlic before she left on the trip. Then we would go on this trip, and we're all over here eating gorp. Do you guys know what gorp is? It's like the raisin and the nuts and the M&M snacks. And her and her friend Mary Lisa are over here like, ooh, yeah, garlic, ooh, yeah, this is good. And honestly, I don't know if it, did it work? Yeah, she gave me one of these. Um, you You know what it did repel? It repelled me. Because she had this aroma. Her and her friend had this aroma. I mean, it wasn't just like the breath. It was like coming out of the pores. It was an aroma. You know, before I sat, before I picked where I was going to sit, I'd test the wind, which way is the wind blowing, and I'd sit upwind, you know, so I couldn't. It was gross. And some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, I know where you're going with this. I know some really stinky Christians that I can't stand to be around either. I want to stay away from them. I'm just kidding. It's the opposite, right? We're called to be a pleasing aroma, like the aroma of grandma's house when she's baking cookies and you walk up to the door and you can smell grandma's cookies from far away, you know, and you're like, I can't wait to get in there and and get some of those. That's the kind of pleasing aroma that we're called to be, that wherever we go, because of the way that we live and the way that we speak, we exude the aroma of, of Christ's love. You know, the Bible paints a pretty 
a, a few pretty clear pictures. One of, of, of what it looks like to be Christ's loving aroma. And one of them is found in Romans 12. Uh, this is Romans 12, 9 through 18. It says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. I love the imagery in this. It's just like, run from what's evil. Cling to the good stuff. Be devoted to one, each, uh, devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. What would it look like if we honored other people above ourselves? What would it look like? like what if a politician <laughs> honored people above themselves? We don't need to go there. We, let's just start doing that here. Honor others above ourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. How many people do you know that are patient when things go wrong in their lives? What if that's one way that we can be in aroma is how, is how we interact with things that go wrong and how we rely on God in those situations. Be faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That is, a, that is a full little chunk of Scripture with a lot of amazing things that if we're done, my friends, we would be an amazing aroma to God and to the people around us of what it looks like to live in Christ's love. Uh, from this book again, James Bryan Smith, he summarizes this passage and he says, it means living with the kingdom mind and heart in our marriages, with our parents, with our children, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, and the guy at the hardware store who's blocking the aisle. <laughs> I feel like maybe he went to the hardware store earlier that day when he was writing this. But we've all had that. What does it look like to be that Christ-like kingdom aroma in every sphere of our lives? I've got two practical tips for you today, two calls to action, things that you can do this week, even tomorrow. And the first one is just to write down two stories of your hope. Where are two stories where you have found incredible hope in Jesus, where Jesus has been uh, there with you, guiding you, providing you, providing for you, whatever those are. Write down those two stories and if you'd be so bold, share those with somebody. It could even be at small group this week. It could be with another Christian. It could be with a coworker who has no idea about Jesus. Share one of those stories this week. Write them down and share them. And then two, choose a sphere of your life to pray for. Like before you enter into that sphere, you're asking that God would use you to be an, a pleasant aroma to them. I did this for the first time. Like as I was preparing this, I 
I knew I was going to say that part, and I said, I, I've got to do this. So you know where I did it? I did it at Disc Golf League. Yes, we have a league where a bunch of guys get together and throw Frisbees. It's a lot of fun. So before, as I was driving those last few streets to get to the course, I just started praying for these guys. I was just praying for myself that I would have an aroma of Christ. And whether I got to share the opportunity of, of the gospel, I didn't know, but I just wanted to be a play, uh, have it be a place where God's aroma was known. And I'm going to start doing that every time. Every time on my way there, I'm just going to pray that this would happen. And, you know, it was really interesting. That day, it was one of the most fun disc golf times I've ever had. And it was funny because the guys at the end, they were like, that, that was an abnormal, I don't, I don't remember what was said, but it was said like this. It was an abnormally fun time. Like, we just had joy together. They were out there playing, having fun. And I think that's a direct correlation to what I asked God for. He, he provided for it. And I hope I get to play with those guys next week. And even more happens. So choose, and, choose a sphere in your life, whether that's family, uh, your marriage, coworkers, uh, whatever it may be. Choose a sphere of your life to pray for. I want to leave you with this final image of a double waterfall. Um, isn't that pretty? I love that. It's in Iceland. And I show you this because one waterfall represents uh, how we demonstrate the beauty of, of God's kingdom through the way that we live. And the other waterfall represents how we demonstrate his kingdom through word, how we tell people uh, our, our stories of what God's done. And what I, what I want to show you this is because they have the same source. Like that water is coming from the exact same place. It just kind of splits off in the back. But it's coming from the same source, and that source is our roots in God's kingdom. And we can't have this kind of beauty. We can't show off this kind of beauty if our roots aren't planted in the kingdom of God. If our roots are planted in social media, you're not going to have this kind of beauty. If it's planted in whatever, you know, I, I could list whatever. If it's planted in anything else but the kingdom, we won't have this kind of beauty. And so first, before we even try to evangelize or try to live uh, up to this calling that we have, we first have to have our roots planted in God's kingdom. Uh, band, will you guys come up? I'll pray for us as we close here. God, I'm so thankful for who you are. How uh, You lived a perfect life because we can't. You took the, the penalty for our wrongdoings and then conquered the grave, conquered sin and death with and for us. I'm so thankful for that, God. It's unexpected and beautiful. And I pray that we would live out that kind of gospel, that good news message, that we would live that out, that we would speak it out. God, put a boldness in our hearts to be people that proclaim who you are. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.
oh, hey, you're still here. You're, you're like one of my favorite people. The, the kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else has left. Like you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, while I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you. And if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here. And if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right. Thanks for listening. See you later.